Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. From the Society for Nautical Research, in partnership with Lloyd's Register Foundation, I'm Sam Willis, and this is the Mariner's Mirror podcast, the world's number one podcast dedicated to all of maritime history. Hello everyone and welcome to the Mariner's Mirror podcast and to this episode two of our three-part audio tour of HMS Victory. Today we are exploring HMS Victory's gun decks, where the sailors lived and fought her 104 guns. If you have just landed on this episode, do please go back and listen to episode one, where we explore the hold and orlop decks, those dark and gloomy spaces beneath the waterline that can nevertheless tell you so much about the lives that were actually lived on board. And also make sure that you stay tuned for episode three, in which we will explore all of those places exposed to the elements. The forecastle, the weather deck, the quarter deck, the poop deck and the rigging. And a quick reminder for everyone, HMS Victory, a first-rate ship of the line launched in 1765 that went on to have a major role in the wars that followed against the United States when allied with France and Spain between 1775 and 1782, then Revolutionary France and subsequently Napoleonic France, becoming most famous as Horatio Nelson's flagship at the Battle of Trafalgar in 1805 when he lost his life on HMS Victory decks. We are of course enormously lucky that she still survives and that it is possible to say that she is now the oldest commissioned warship in the world. I should just add here it's also possible to say something that is often overlooked. She's not only here for us all to see but is located in the oldest dry dock still in use in the world commissioned by King Henry VII in 1495. An amazing fact for you all there. Anyway, the fact that Victory is still here today at all is thanks to a public fund, the Save the Victory Fund, that was launched by none other than us. Yes, the Society for Nautical Research, and it was launched a hundred years ago, and it's still very much active today. So that is why we can enjoy this audio tour. So join us as I'm being taken around the gun decks of Victory with one of HMS Victory's tour guides, the excellent Tony Noon. And in tow, we also have Rosie Thornber, 
Principal Heritage Advisor for HMS Victory, who kept us up to date on the phenomenal conservation project that they currently have underway. A once-in-a-lifetime project with a host of craftsmen, conservators, engineers and shipwrights who are working to fight the impact of moisture, fungus and pests that threaten her and to keep her safe for the next 50 years. As ever, I hope you enjoy listening to them as much as I enjoy talking with them. So come aboard, watch your head, and join us a little stooped at the top of a gangway. We've just walked up from the Orlop deck and are now on HMS Victory's lowest gun deck. Rows of huge guns head off towards the ship's stern. Hammocks are slung from the beams and there's a clear smell of tar in the musty air. Well, here we are. Um, we're back on our tour of HMS Victory, and now it feels like we're in the, the, the business part of the ship. We're on the lower gun deck. So, Tony, tell me about this. So, 30 guns on this deck, and it's the deck we're actually standing on, the de deck planks. They're actually the oldest surviving single deck on remaining on the ship. Oh, well, what year does that go back to? Well, it predates Trafalgar, the bulk of the deck, so we're looking at probably the 1801 to 1803 refit for the, for, for the bulk of this deck. And these planks, when they were put in, were put in at six inches thick because the guns, and there's eight originals on this level, these guns were coming in at about three and a half tonnes each in their carriages. Wow. So they've got close to 100 tonnes of cast iron guns just on this deck. So eight original guns, but I mean, I can see one, two, three, four, five, so I don't know how many of them. 20 up one side? Uh, 15, 15. 15 each side. Yeah. So, I mean, the original guns were taken off in 1812 when she went into reserve. She was, we were still fighting Napoleon at the time. Guns are expensive, valuable pieces of ordnance. Um, they would be taken off and they were used on other ships. Uh, guns do not live on ships for the lifetime of a ship. The guns change if you come in for a refit. That's all the guns will be taken off, yeah. cleaned, tested, inspected, put into a stockpile at the gun wharf. Which I like that. So guns can have a career in the Navy. They can indeed. I wonder, they probably wouldn't have been recorded to, according to the single item. So we don't know which gun was present at the most battles, but I'd have no, liked to have known that. It, yes, it, it would be nice if there was a way of, of tracking them properly. So these guns are enormous. What size are they? Uh, so these are 32 pounders. So that's the solid, that's the weight of the shot they fire. Right. Biggest um, guns on the lowest deck. Biggest guns on the lowest deck. The whole ship is designed about the guns. It's not about the height of the crew or comfort. It's about taking 104 guns from point A to point B and providing a stable gun platform. So the decks get lower as you go down, and the hull gets thicker, and the guns get heavier, just to keep that weight as low as possible. Mm, for safety as well. Now, um, we've got um, plenty of hammocks here, so let's, uh, let's talk about how the crew and how they, how they lived and slept. So the ship's designed for crew of 850 um, at Trafalgar, slightly undermanned with 821 on board. And the bulk of the crew, when they're off duty, are on the lower gun deck. So we've got maybe 20, maybe 30 hammocks here. You have 14 inches of space with each hammock. That's your lot. And I'm about 16 inches across. You're probably about 16 inches across shoulder width as well. So it's going to be very cosy. But these hammocks, we can see, are just indicative. They would actually come the entire length of this deck. So right. there's hammock hangings. Um, so there's bars set into the deck heads um, with holes in where you can sling your hammocks. Yep. Um, there would be 240 men off duty on this deck at a time. Sharing hammocks? Uh, you have your own hammocks oh, right, and your okay. own bedrolls. Um, when they're on duty, those are rolled up and they're put in the hammock netting around the outside of the ship at the top because yep. obviously they take a lot of space up. Um, 
but also these gun ports are only four foot six above the waterline. So more often than not, these gun ports are closed. Yeah. So you've got 240 men who've done their four hour shift. They're off duty. It's going to be very fragrant down here to, again, fragrant yeah. again. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. It's interesting. So it, it, there's no way they could have stopped water coming in through those gun ports. Uh, in a kind of a, a, a sloppy sea. Um, no, so I mean they've got gunport lids which you close as tightly as possible. Um, I mean, I, yeah, assuming they're open and, they're, and they're, they're firing, or even if they're open, so where does the water go if you ship water through the gunport? So it drains down through the scuttles, through the all-up, and then down into the hold, and then through that shingle that we saw yeah. all the way down in the hold below. And obviously the guys on the bilge pumps, which are also on this deck, which we'll see a bit further along, um, the guys on the bilge pumps will be pumping that water back out. Yeah. Yeah, pumps, they're interesting things. And what are these enormous timbers? These are central timbers. Um, they're they're at, sort of at right angles to each other. And um, we're up, still up by the, the bows on this lower gun deck. What are we looking at here? So these are bits, B-I-T-T-S, and these ones are the riding bits. Um, they're, you've got these bits throughout the ship, and they're all for different size and different weights of rope and strain that they can take. So these riding bits are to tie the anchors off as you're bringing up the anchor cables, and the anchors, you can tie them off to stop them slipping back out. Mm -hmm. um, as you can see, we've got quite a bit of wear on these riding bits. They are some of the older parts of the ship again. Um, and as we said, with a sort of four and a half, five, uh, four and a half ton anchor and five tons of anchor cable, you've got a, a large amount of weight and strain that these yeah. need to be able to brace against. This is, this is the handbrake, let's call it that, <laughs> the ship's handbrake. Um, right, let's, let's um, move up, um, we're moving aft, aren't we? Moving backwards and still on this lower gun deck. Yeah, as we walk down the centre line on our right, you can see the thick anchor cable as it comes in through the hawse holes at the front, H-A-W-S-E. And alongside we have a smaller cable, which is the messenger cable. The anchor cable is too thick to go around the capstan, so we use a messenger cable which runs effectively in an infinite loop around the inside of the ship on the lower gun deck. And although it's on the floor now, you can see we've got some rollers here around the pump, yep. uh, the bilge pumps in the middle of the ship here. Um, this uh, messenger cable would actually be slung off the floor. It'd be on the rollers, coming about waist height down the length of the ship, because if you're trying to drag it on the floor, that's a huge amount of friction that you're adding to it. So it's actually would be running at waist height, but we can't have it strung like that these days. Um, so now we're a very important part of any British warship. What are we looking at here? So these are chain pumps. We have four black or dark wood humped mechanisms um, with uh, bars running between them, linking them together and coming at the aft end. And we don't have them on at the moment, but coming out the fore end, uh, you have crank handles as well. So you'd have, Around about eight to ten men per bar, so up to 32 men on the on these bars on on the right hand side of the four of the cranks, and these men will be turning them. Think of uh, is it Trumpton, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Windy Miller or whatever, where he's cranking things up in Trumpton. So the men will be cranking the bars, and the four chain pumps are turned by these bars. Uh, each one has a chain that goes all the way down to the bilges, two decks below us, at the bottom of the hold, um, and then back up. And every so often on these chains, we have two metal discs with a rubber disc in between. Um, so as the chain turns, the down pipe is square, so there's no friction. So it just goes, the, the chain and the round plates go down. And the up pipe is round and it fits exactly that rubber tube. So as you're turning it, the, the rubber grips along the side of the tube and sucks the water up out of the bilges. Ah. And then we have a hole on each side of the bilge pumps here. And that's pointing at the side of the ship. Um, but obviously that's no good. So on the, each side of the ship, you can see it just under the table oh, yeah. on this side. 
you'd run a leather hose or a wooden trestle table to the side there and that spits the dirty bilge water back out through the side of the ship. And how efficient were these? How much water uh, could come out? Uh, something like 1300 gallons a minute at full operation. Wow. That's amazing. And it was a significant advantage of the British ships over French, over Spanish, Danish, Russian, whatever it might be. Um, yeah, I can't remember the exact date that bilge pumps come in now. Everyone's got differing varieties and types of pumps. But these are, you know, that's a huge amount of water. Though after Trafalgar, with the damage we'd taken, these were being pumped continuously for the first 48 hours while the carpenter and his guys are trying to get in control of the damage and the water coming into the ship. Plus there's a large storm as well. Yeah. Well, a fascinating piece of engineering there. Um, and a little further down from the bilge pumps, we have the capstan, another crucial piece of equipment. Tell me about this, Tony. So the capstans are actually on two levels. The aft capstan is used just for the anchors. Um, it's around, almost it's like a cotton, giant cotton reel on yep. this deck and the same on the deck above, and they're linked through the two decks. So when you turn the bottom part, the top part turns at the same time as well. And you have the capstan bars. There's one here just above our heads. It's 14 foot long. Um, there's 14 bars on this level, 12 bars on the level above. Wow, okay. um, so that's 26 bars. A double windmill of people. <laughs> yes, around. and it's uh, 10 men per bar. So it's 260 men just on this aft capstan. And when we look at the 14 foot, if you have a bar in place on this deck, the end of the bar comes to pretty much the, the, the top of the gun on the outside, on the hull. Right. So, so there's not a lot of space. So on the deck above, you actually have to turn the guns sideways to have enough space to turn the capstan on the deck above. I mean, that's each gun on that deck had just over two tons yeah. per gun. And then you put it all back. And you very obviously got um, pillars supporting the deck, which get in the way. Yeah, so white stanchions, and the, you, you'll see them all through the ship. Any stanchion like that you see through the ship, they can be removed. They give the ship rigidity um, for when she's sailing and when she's fighting. But when you need space to work, such as turning the capstan, you're going to take a beam jack, you're going to put some pressure on the beam, and you can actually slide and use a mallet to actually knock the stanchions out. Um, the stairs and the ladders you can see that are in within this 14-foot turning circle, um, they can be lifted out, and you put gratings over the companionways to give you the clear deck space you need to have your 140 men down here turning it. And then when you've finished, you turn the guns back into position, put the take the gratings away, put the ladders back, put the beams back in, and you carry on with what you need to do next. Fascinating stuff, make you realize how these, these huge ships seem very solid and permanent, but actually you can kind of pull them apart. And um, you know, a lot, of it, a lot of the structure's temporary, it's all movable, which is what you needed. Um, brilliant stuff, let's, let's head up to another gun deck, the second of three. So going up the companionway uh, stairs here, we're still at the aft end. aft end of the ship. We're a little bit cheeky here because this section is actually part of the Royal Navy's crew section here, ah. um, the wardroom for them here. Um, because she's still a serving ship, she's still the flagship for the first sea lord, ceremonial in, in name, she still has a Navy crew on board. So the wardrooms here we can't actually get into. Um, this is where the Navy have their crew. She has a crew on 24 hours a day. Yeah. So we're going to carry on forward past this section. Walking up here, very good to see members of the public enjoying this ship. And it uh, feels very busy, which is nice to see. So we're on, this is the middle gun deck, yeah? So middle gun deck, on this deck we have the 24 pounders. As I said, these are about 2.2 tonnes per gun, only 28 of them on this deck. 
We've also got down, running down the centre line of the ship, we've got the trundle heads, the top of each capstan. So the aft capstan we were just looking at is used just for the anchors. The capstan in the middle, which is the oldest surviving Georgian capstan um, on the ship, she's uh, the gear capstan, which is a corruption of the word gear. So every other task that needs extra manpower to do, uh, whether it's lowering the boats, bringing supplies on and off, etc., this can be rigged up to actually give you that manpower to, to work through. And then also at the forward end here, we also have probably the most important thing of a ship for 821 men away um, at sea for six months or more at a time. I mean, Victory was away from England for two and a half years um, prior to Trafalgar, although she came back briefly in the September. None of the crew left the ship, really. They were pretty much on the ship constantly for two and a half years. So here we have what's called the Brody stove. So in the galley, the cooking area, all the cooking for the men is done here. There are no other cooking areas. All the foods, crew's food is cooked here. So let's describe it. I mean, it looks on the, uh, the left-hand side, there's a wooden structure which almost looks like um, a little butcher's shop or a, a kind of uh, grocery shop in a village. There's some uh, uh, small uh, glass windows um, and a nice timber door, the top of which opens as if you could lean in and order, order yourself a cookie. Uh, and next to it is an immense iron, evil-looking thing. <laughs> um, it's got, it's, it looks like something out of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. There are kind of pipes and funnels and hot bits. Um, yeah, so this is, this is the stove, and this is very different from, um, say, the stove that you might find on the Mary Rose, something hundreds of years before. This is extremely sophisticated. Yeah, so uh, that's by a Scotsman, Brodie, obviously, which is where it gets the name Brodie Stove from. We've actually got lots of different options of cooking compartments on here. The two main bits, if we look at the back end of the stove, above the, the so underneath you can put coal into it, and above those are two giant boilers. So that's in there where the men would cook their stews. And we actually have boil in the bag. Boil in the bag is not a new thing for, or from the 70s. Boil in the bag exists long before. So each mess table that you see uh, by between the guns, you'll have up to eight men per mess table. One man's responsible for the cooking of the, the midday meal um, for the mess table. He would go down, he would get the lump of salted beef or salted pork. You put it into your bag that's got your mess number on it. You boil it off for an hour and a half or more to get soften it up, cook it, and to get some of the salt out of it. After that time, add some dried peas to it, boil it for a little bit longer in these giant boilers, and then that'll be slopped out onto the men's plates. So boil in the bag from these two boilers. But it's also your, your morning meal would be your burgoo, um, so it's like a porridge, and your evening meal is a cold meal. But all of the cooking is done here. There is only one thing on the entire ship that is not done by hand. Um, so at the forward, forward part of the, the stove, there's a, a flue, a giant flue, probably about a foot across that goes up through the ship to put the gases and the smoke out through um, up onto the, the, the forecastle area. In the flue, there is a fan that's turned by the heat. And on the other side, you can see a chain mechanism. The fan actually turns uh, a tube, which then turns a wheel with a chain on the end of it which comes down and it turns a spit. So ah. you've got a spit here. So the only thing not done by hand is the cooking on that spit. No, I bet that <laughs> smelt very good though when you've got some chickens going on uh, there. Yeah, or cows or goats. I think something like, I believe in 1804, the Mediterranean fleet got through just over 3,600 goats. Wow. <laughs> so it's, yeah. yeah. Goat roti, yummy, <laughs> yummy. Um, fascinating. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Stuff. Very difficult being able to feed so many people and keep them happy for so long. Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the, the Navy diet didn't really change the menu for about 110 years. Um, a few tweaks to it, like the addition of rum, uh, addition of lime juice or lemon juice to the rum in 1800. But that 110-year menu, um, it's the same food every Monday, the same food every Tuesday. So the guys have been at sea for a long time, and the oldest on board victory was 69. You know, you might not want to get to Tuesday and think, I don't want my butter ration this week. And with the flagship of the Mediterranean fleet, you have a butter ration twice a week. We have no refrigeration on board. I'm not quite sure butter's the thing you want. No, you're right. You're right. It's liquid butter. You can drink it. Um, well, let, brilliant. Let's go up to uh, the, the upper gun deck and see what we can find up there. So uh, walking uh, back to the centre of the ship, up through another companionway ladder. Uh, more members of the public enjoying themselves here. Nice to see. On a rainy September day, nice place to take shelter. Um, so, right at the forward part of the ship here, on the upper gun deck, we have the sick bay. And we mentioned earlier about in battle, this will be moved below because you can actually see the guns between the, 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 the hammocks of the sick bay. So it's all about the guns. So in battle, all these hammocks will be taken down and the sick men will be moved down to the all-op deck. We've got a small dispensary here as well. But by having it at the forward part of the ship, it's airy and light, yeah. so it helps prevent infection spreading. Very it's, noticeably airier and lighter. They have their own internal toilet on, on the right-hand side, the roundhouse here. There's a little toilet up there. And again, that's, nobody else could use that apart from the men in the infirmary. Um, to help prevent prevention. And where did, where did everyone else go to the loo? So we're now looking at, we've got a pass perspex door here to protect it. This would have been open, but we're looking out into the beak head. So the ornate fancy bit at the front of the ship that swoops oh. upwards to the bowsprit. And you can see we've got some black benches on there, probably about three foot across. There's two holes in each. So the sailors would sit back to back and that just drops straight down to the sea. Mm. So you do your business. And then on, hanging down from there is a rope with a piece of old cloth on it. You pull that rope up, that's what you wipe with on the cloth on the end. You drop it back down to the sea for the sea to wash off for the next man to use. 
but that is a toe rag. So if your parents have ever called you a toe rag when you were growing up, ah. you're a piece of recyclable toilet paper. Now, these, um, the, we're in the sick bay here, and these, these uh, hammocks look very different. Yeah, so these are uh, far wider, you have more space on them, you have the spaces on the hammocks as well to keep them reinforced and keep them, uh, keep them flat effectively. So the sailors hammocks that we saw earlier, um, they sort of curve up around you, whereas these are flat rectangular ones rather than the sort of sausage shaped ones. Yeah, so I suppose you have less um, chance of wounds being squashed or... Uh, just yeah, it's, it's far more stable for the men to be stable, in. Isn't it? Yeah. Stable, yeah. And, stable and healthy. And again, we've got partitions here, partitioning the sick bay off from the rest of the deck. And these partitions, you can see we've got bolts on them. So again, in battle, just before battle, when you're beating to quarters, all these will be stripped out so it becomes completely clean gun deck. And the same with all of the cabins you see, anything that's above the waterline, every cabin side wall can be removed. Yeah. Now, what are we looking at here? These tools look nasty. So, punishment. 821 men on board, up to two and a half years. Punishment and discipline is incredibly important part of the ship's life. There were always horror stories about punishment and everyone said how bad it was and how bad it would have been. But there is a rule book that the captains and the officers are supposed to stick to for the uh, number of lashes, for example. You have a cat of nine tails, which is a whip with nine strands on, which has got knots through it as well. Um, so you know, it should be a dictated or a set level of punishment. The horror stories come because the further away you get from England, um, you have some captains who are more authoritarian, um, with a religious, uh, uh, religious vein as well, that might take it, and they would actually increase the amounts of punishments as they saw fit rather than what they should have stuck to with the rule book. You know, 32 lashes for drunkenness, eight pints of beer a day and your, your, your uh, ration of rum a day. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's harsh, but the men would have been used to that as well. And it's no different really than what should have been at, uh, issued on land. So we have the cat and nine tails. That's your standard punishment. That'll be taken up on the deck above because there's not enough room down here to swing a cat, which is where the expression comes from. So then the men will be lashed to a grating on the upper deck on a ship this size. You'd more often than not do the punishment once a week. Um, rather than because you want to gather the crew around because you're setting an example to the crew as well on the smaller ships it may be done there and then but it tends to be once a week but say you're having your lash the only person who can really stop the punishment is the ship's doctor so he might be looking at it and go oh Tony's had 18 of his 32 lashes but he's now you know his back is down to the bone so we're going to stop it they would bring me down to the sick bay here surgeon would clean it off, you know, spirit of uh, turpentine, vinegar, all, all the uh, really nice stuff to clean it, sew you up, give you a little pot of salt to take away to rub salt into your wounds and then a couple of weeks later as they're going back through the punishment log there, oh Tony only had 18 of his 32 lashes, surgeon would inspect me and say yeah he's good to go and they would stick me back up to finish it off so just because you <laughs> pass out or it's too deep, the, the cuts have gone too deep, you will not escape your entire le total amount of punishment. And we also have bilbos here, so there's iron bars on the floor with shackles in for your ankles. So for the, the lighter punishments, you'd be shackled into the bilbos here and you'd be given menial tasks to do, um, such as uh, mending sails, repairing ropes or taking rope apart for the sizal inside it. Um, and occasionally you might also be down here making your own cat of nine tails for your own punishment as well. That was <laughs> oh, that's cruel. <laughs> that's really cruel. Yeah. But it would be tested and checked by the bosun before actually being used to make sure you had tied it properly and put the knots in of the right size. 
now we're heading up towards a slightly more sophisticated area of the ship. So again, as we walk past, we can look at the partitions and we can see the hinges on the partitions. Um, so although they make the, the cabins and give you personal and private, uh, private space, again, uh, getting ready for battle, clearing for action, they all fold up and out the way. So this becomes a complete clear gun deck. I mean, even if we look at the chairs, hopefully they've got the right one here. So it's like a standard chair, wicker chair, no arms on it, so it looks like a hall chair, um, but actually, it's a wicker seat, um, but actually the chairs are hinged as well, so the chairs fold completely flat. <laughs> I really want one of those, that's fantastic. <laughs> so you can fold it up flat, store it in the hold, and again, it's all about speed and getting the ship ready for battle. Yeah. And Victory's 18 minutes to get her ready for action. Just 18 minutes. And it, it, as soon as the signal's given, beat to quarters. Right, so we're, we're, we're at, a, we're at a, uh, a, a lovely light bit right at the stern, looking through the stern gallery windows out uh, to Portsmouth, into the harbour at Portsmouth, yeah. the dry docks. And um, the floor's fantastic. Yes, yeah, so again, off all officers' territory, you mark it out, you put canvas on the floor, and then you paint it the checkerboard pattern. Two reasons, it mimics a posh country house tile floor. So again, for the officers, when they're entertaining, which is a very important part of their life, and wining and dining, it just makes it look posh, but it's also a clear indicator to the common sailor that if he's walking along and is about to put his foot down on the checkerboard pattern, if he doesn't have permission to be in officer territory, that's a punishable offence. Hmm. He knows all about it. So what, was, uh, what happened here? So we're in Nelson's day cabin now, so we're actually not at the top level of the ship because the captain's on the, on the top, the cabin's above. Um, Although Nelson's more important, it's still the captain's ship to run on a day-to-day -day basis, and at Trafalgar it was Captain Hardy. So the Admiral gets the slightly more spacious apartments below, but he can be left to get on with the planning, because obviously he's responsible for the whole Mediterranean fleet, not just the one ship. So he has these quarters down here, and his aide John Scott would come and get him if needed. So he has a day cabin, which we're standing in looking out the stern. So we have his uh, replica of uh, his chair here in the corner, and you can see it's actually got a flap on each side. On the left-hand side, when you sit in it, you can put your hand down the flap on the side of the chair. There's a little pocket there. That's his in-tray. So all his stuff to be processed, all his letters, etc., to be processed, we'd be put into the flap on that side, the pocket. And when he's finished, he will put it into the right-hand pocket for his aide to come and then make duplicates of, send it on, etc., to the right place as needed. What was this part used for? So uh, this is John Scott's day cabin, um, uh, his anteroom effectively for Nelson. And it's also where steerage comes from because these are the ropes that come down. Um, so you can see the ropes from the steering wheel above has actually come through the center line of the ship here. So we've got a largish space. So John Scott's... Uh, Sorry, he was the secretary. Secretary, yes, yeah. secretary for Nelson. So he would be in here. It gives him plenty of space to work, copy letters, file, store, do research, etc., as needed. Um, and it's, so it's his own working space here. Lovely little spot. Yeah, apart from the steering ropes coming through. Oh, yeah, they, they might be um, annoying and um, uh, creaky. Um, and this is where Nelson would entertain. We're in a bigger space here with a large table. Yeah, so from the stern of the ship we have Nelson's day cabin, then we have the dining cabin, and then Nelson's sleeping quarters and John Scott's office side by side. Um, so we've got a very large table in the middle. Um, and this is the table around which Nelson gathered the captains a few weeks prior to Trafalgar to outline his plan for them of, of crossing the T or the Nelson Touch as it's called. 
um, back in the day cabin and um, we've got a door open on the side here if you peer in you're looking into the quarter galley um, and that's when you look at the ship from the outside you can see she sort of flares outwards a little bit at the stern and it's all fancy and ornate and as we're looking inside there we can see a bench with a hole in so it's Nelson's seat of ease. So that just drops into a potty, which his aide would come and empty because the captain's got the same arrangement below, above, sorry, and the senior officer's the same arrangement below. But you have a great view. Like a, it's going to the loo in a, in a mini conservatory <laughs> on, the, on the side of a ship. Although if you're in port, everyone can work out what you're up to while you're there. Now, I've always had a, 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 a point to make about this, is that you know the, 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 the hull of Victory is three feet thick or whatever it is. It's an immensely strong thing. And they, they put a conservatory on the back. It's windows. It's ridiculous. Uh, it is. And it actually, it was even weaker than that originally. So we're standing here and the, the, it's enclosed with sash windows that can be opened. And there's fancy woodwork on it. Um, and all of that woodwork can be removed. And we've actually got three gun ports uh, behind each of these. Um, so obviously this oh, he's literally pulled off a bit of the uh, a bit of a bit of the wall, a bit of the housing there. Don't tell the boss. Um, so you can see the mounting point there for one of the guns. So all of this will be removed prior to battle. The windows will be taken out, um, depending on the, not all battles, but most battles, the windows were generally taken out as part of the process of clearing for action. But when Victory was first floated out in 1765, about a foot back from where the windows are. Um, it, the, the windows stopped here and you actually had where you're standing so you're sort of six inches ahead of me towards the, the stern of the ship um, you would have been standing in an open balcony mm. so I would have had the windows here and doors and then you have a step out you've got an open balcony to look out through um, however incredibly expensive to maintain not as watertight and weaker in battle as well so in the, the refit of 1801 to 1803 and the Navy had moved away from balconies on new designs by that stage, so they took that opportunity to rebuild the stern of the ship to actually fill these balconies in to give us some strength there. Fascinating. I would have liked a balcony, I can tell you that much. I'd have been disappointed by that change. Right, let's talk to Rosie about the conservation of this area, okay. of the gun decks. What are the conservation challenges of these gun decks? Stood beside where the main mast used to be, so that was a, a major conservation challenge, taking the main mast out in uh, May 2021, because um, the, we, we did um, thickness testing of the metal, and we found um, that the mast needed to come out for conservation work. Uh, so it was a major challenge um, easing the mast up uh, via crane through such a tiny gap and avoiding hitting anything surrounding it, particularly, for example, the elm tree pumps that we believe to be original to 1765. So with millimetres to spare, we're bringing this mast up slowly. And actually, the crane driver brought it up millimetre by millimetre, did a brilliant job straight up, and then out of the ship. So that was one challenge. So that it could come up. I mean, I assume it was jammed in held with uh, wedges and they were wooden mast wedges some of them dated to um, 1894 when that particular mast was put in but some of them dated to 1960s and had shipwrights initials on them and things so we eased those wedges out and then it was free to lift out wow. carefully with straps round it and things and carefully carefully came out 
How, was... how long did that whole process take from sort of planning to execution? To execution, I would say about a year and a half. Yeah. And the actual lift took basically all day uh, with um, two absolutely enormous cranes outside that we had parked here for five days. So it was a, a whole five-day sort of piece of work. Where's the, where's the mast gone? Where do you put a mast for an 18th century warship? Yeah, you're right. It's very big, 32 metres or so. Um, it's sitting on the dock side over by M33, yeah. waiting for full conservation work. Yeah, I'll make sure I'll go and have a look at it. I mean, what, what, what conservation work will that entail? So um, this, this particular mast is a metal tube structure um, of what we believe to be uh, either wrought iron or mild steel, we're still not sure, from dating from the HMS shaft from 1870. And uh, it's becoming thin, as I say, in places from corrosion. So we, and also it has lots of lead paint and things on it. So we literally want to strip it back to the good metal and then build it up again mm. and coat it and, you know, consolidate it, make it strong enough and then hopefully put it back in the ship at the right time. Wow, extraordinary. I, I know there was a particular conservation challenge with Nelson's toilet as well. There Tell is. He has a leaky toilet. So um, basically, uh, Nelson was very lucky. He seems to have had a toilet either side of his day cabin um or heads rather um and hardy has a similar arrangement on the deck above but hardy's heads don't leak at all but nelson's heads on the starboard side um a lot of water comes in and so it can't be coming directly from above because Hardy's heads is fine so it must be coming sideways and in yeah so um, back in 2019 I built this tarpaulin to funnel all the water dripping from in into buckets and today they've emptied six buckets worth of water out of the toilet wow so wow. it's a major piece of and it's just that the, wa the water is just sort of sneaking along yeah. sideways somewhere or Something. possibly even upwards or even upwards possibly yeah, yeah. Devilish so it's stuff. Yeah. devilish stuff Thank you all so much for listening. If you are interested in naval history and the Battle of Trafalgar in particular, please do check out the Mariner's Mirror podcast YouTube channel, where you can see just how we have used artificial intelligence and digital artistry to bring to life a plaster cast of Nelson's face that was taken from him before he died, resulting in an astonishing, and many who've seen it say that it's more than a little creepy, likeness of Nelson. Please make sure you find the Mariner's Mirror on Instagram, TikTok and the Society for Nautical Research on Facebook and Twitter. This pod comes from both the Society for Nautical Research and the Lloyd's Register Foundation. So please check both of those institutions out. The Society for Nautical Research at snr.org.uk where you can join up and the Lloyd's Register Foundation at hec.lrfoundation.org.uk where you can find out about all of their many and fascinating projects to do with maritime heritage. That's it for now. Episode 3 is on its way soon.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.